What's the problem? Hey, man, what you doing here? I'm busy. Scram. I'm gonna teach you a lesson in manners. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. Greg is miming my every word. I'm Tristan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Greg. It's Friday. Episode 40. 40, is it? Boldy. So we are, in honour of the number 40, we're drinking 40 ounces of malt liquor. Mm Mm-hmm. 40 ounces of malt liquor made me want to tell you something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole number. It's a round number. Mm-hmm. You know that means? It's time for some Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme, back mm-hmm. again. Back again. Doing a film, not Death Impact, <laughs> which I incorrectly wrote in my notes. Death Warrant. Death Warrant. A lesser known, I would argue. Let's, I mean, yeah, it's still like, it's like a, we'll get into it, but it's a bit of a, like maybe a tier two of his earlier ones. Yeah. One out of two Double Impact hosts didn't know much about it. Yeah, I'll, we'll go into it, but I was mis- I was a bit confused about a few things in it. That I- yeah, damn right. We'll get into that. But yes, the film was Death Warrant. The year was 1990. I got a bunch of 1990 stuff. Let's do it. Let's hit it. Set the context. Well, take us back. Uh, so just a few little things that were happening in 1990 that I got out of the internet. My brother was born. Did you get that one? No. Ah. Um, First Lady Barbara Bush criticised The Simpsons as the dumbest thing she's ever seen. Marge wrote a letter back to her saying not to be so judgmental and explaining that her family had tried their best and Mrs Bush apologised. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, the big thing I stumbled across in 1990, uh, as far as we go with nostalgia and Mm. pop culture, Mm. do you remember that cartoon that came out that was like an anti-drug ad? It was like a – Now, you would have been six, so you're a couple years younger than me. Yeah. um, Which may have made a difference at at this age. Mm. So it was a cartoon public service announcement thing. It was called the Carlton All-Stars to the Rescue. And it basically had all the fa- all your favourites. It had Bugs Bunny, Kermit the Frog, Slimer, Garfield, the Chipmunks, one of the Ninja. I think got Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. Alf, really? Smurfs, they're all in it. So it was like the the we are the world of cartoons. Kind of, yeah, yeah. That's it was cool. A, it was teased out for quite a while. Like there were ads for it for ages, and ever. I didn't know it was an anti drug thing. I just thought it was this super cartoon. Right. You know, through the eyes of an eight-year-old. Did you ever see the Captain Planet movie? No. It got heaps serious with like Malcolm X references and oh. someone joins a gang. I remember it being really heavy as a kid. It's probably not that heavy, but compared to the show. Which person joined a gang? It better not I have been the Hispanic. Been, I don't know. Because I'd be really disappointed. Um, so this was a thing. You obviously, it's not tingling your member berries at the moment. No. Bugger. No. It was a big deal. I'm remember, fascinated by it though. I want to watch that. And the night that it aired, it was like a midweek, seven thirty sort of prime time thing. So and in Australia, in Australia, wow. it was globally. So it, it was, it was in, uh, you know, I don't know if it was simulcast. But I genuinely reckon that shit's cool though. It's pretty cool that they do that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. You know what we were talking about with the Transformers and things the other week in terms of like branded content, like branded content. This is yeah, you know, this is kind of like for good. 
you obviously worked on federal government um, advertising for a number of years. And, and it's true. And you guys did some pretty fantastic work in various spaces, anti-smoking. Anti-smoking is one of the, the most proud things I've ever worked on. Everything the, else is part of the problem. That's the only thing where I've been part of the solution. Yeah, so I think, <laughs> yeah, this was kind of not not dissimilar. Mm, that's um, cool. But I thought I might, we've got a, I've got a trailer for it because it might um, it might spark a few, few memories. Uh, I don't know if you guys out there in various countries that listen to us, ping us a note if you did see it because I'd be pretty keen, pretty keen to hear how many different countries we can get from our listeners yeah. that remember it. I'm happy for at yeah, least you one. Like three fine lands. You know, I might have something here you'd like to try. Something to make this you feel cool. real good. Yeah. So see if you can guess the voices if you're playing along at home. Go ahead, let's fly spit right in his eye and say no. Those Dutch are so boring. Slaps, man. I can dream for football. Muppet babies. But that could be tactless. You may prefer cool like this. I'll get you guys later, okay? I've got too much homework. It's rough. I'm late for my baseball game and I'll miss my run. My kid sister needs me. Her hamster does. There's no time to kill. So I'll catch you later. Like that guy would. Was that part of a full episode of something? That was, so it was a one-off yeah. show. I think it went for half an hour. That's cool. And that was obviously one of the... So all the all your favourite cartoon characters basically come along to help him fight the urges of becoming a druggie. But there's a couple of bits to it that are, don't really make sense. Like the irony of the whole thing is that the only time a kid's going to see all these cartoons in one place is if he's high on drugs. Yeah. You could just as easily finish that video with, wow, what a trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tripping balls. He's woken up in his bed after a three-day ice bender or yeah, some, some shrooms. <laughs> Actually, um, it's interesting now yeah. that you mentioned it. Remember, you, did you collect basketball cards and shit? I think course, there were a few special course. cards where it was like to stay in school, say no to drugs, and they would pop up now and then. Yeah, there would be like a special. They were worthless. They were worthless. Like, no, nah. give me Chris Webber upper deck. Yes, I had Chris Webber. Chris Webber rookie card, rookie card yeah. with the. I paid fifteen bucks for that. Really, that's big money, man. Yeah, I swapped right. it for something at it the. It was overs. My local news agent had like a setup where he would swap cards and stuff, where you could buy cards. What a hustler! You don't see that? Do people still do that? Uh, they. I mean, some probably. people do for sure, but it seemed so mainstream when we were kids. Like my news agent had that shit. Set I don't up. know what the kids do yet. Yeah. Did you buy the book that sh- the magazine that showed you the value of all the cards? What's it called? Becker, Beckett, Beckett. No. That Beckett? feels like something I should have, though. Yeah, and then the one for comic books was Wizard Magazine. I had that too. That's where we had slightly different childhoods. <laughs> yeah, 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 a little. <laughs> That's um, cool. I'm so, into that. Yeah, I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, one man who didn't say no to drugs. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, 1990 Van Damme. <laughs> He was in the thick of it, probably. Yeah, he probably. Uh, I think he's just in the discovery years. Actually, he's probably just dabbling and being like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a Hollywood star." Um, should we talk about the films of 1990? Yeah, 
Yeah, go. So number one was Home Alone. Number two, Ghost, the other, a.k.a. the film that made Greg cry. Uh, number three, Dances with Wolves. It's number, true. <laughs> number four, Pretty Woman. Number, f- <laughs> number five, Teenage oh Mutant Ninja Toilets. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Hunt for Red October, Total Recall, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. It was good. Number nine, Dick Tracy. Number 10, Kindergarten Cub. Now, <laughs> depending on your source here, a little film called Death Warrant came in at either number 78 or number 28. <laughs> because right. according to the Wikipedias, it uh, for a budget of $6 million grossed, $46.7 million, which is pretty damn good. But then when I look at Box Office Bojo, it's only like $15 million or something. So I'm not sure what the go is there. And if Who's that's lying? the case, someone's lying. Yeah, someone's lying. And i got to say Wikipedia because I guess that can be editable. Is it, Maybe uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's management company is in there editing. Rodin, the, what's it called? I can't remember, but he's the CEO. Not it. returning my calls. <laughs> So as I said, number 78 or potentially number 28, Death Warrant. So Death Warrant, where, where did this fit for you in your Van Damme childhood uh, Somewhere. Somewhere. You, definitely, you, you probably saw it? I definitely saw yeah. it. It was there was bits throughout it that reminded me of that, but um, yeah, it wasn't a staple like some of the others. That yeah, we, that we have and will talk about. Yeah, I think for me that there's a chance I probably saw this at Jono's house, but I have no recollection of it. The cover is very familiar. Yeah, and the name like it feels like a phrase I've heard <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, like a lot of these Van Damme movies that. Well, we said before, there's like a, there's almost a formula to them. You could make a Van Damme movie name generator. They got, they all got this ring to it. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds like if you told me Death Punch Runner, fire. I'd be like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, since this is a JCVD, you know, every ten episodes special, not everyone's been along the journey. So I'll do a very quick recap of the story. Oh, that's a good idea. Story to date. Good idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this is 1990, right? And this mini, this, this regular miniseries around Jean-Claude Van Damme started with Bloodsport, which was 1988. This is the fifth film we're covering because we did a double with Cyborg and uh, mm. Kickboxer. The fifth movie we're covering and it's only 1990. So this guy has had quite a phenomenal couple of years here. So Lots of kicks. Yeah, lots of kicks, lots of spinny kicks. Um, two years after Bloodsport, one year after Cyborg and Kickboxer, the man is getting bigger and bigger. He's married with two kids. Um, he rekindles, he, he, he re-teams with Sheldon Lettich, the guy that wrote Bloodsport with, for another movie which became Lionheart slash Wrong Bet, which I was a very big fan of as it turned out. But this was a little different, this movie. So yeah. he, he's, had, he's, he's had some ups and downs in these two years, but net, net situation, fucking the ascension of Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's a, me- it's a meteoric rise. It is a meteoric rise. And I think, again, we've watched five movies in the Jean-Claude Van Damme filmography that came to life over a period of two years. And I would say every performance of his has gotten significantly better. Like two years, man. That's, pretty, uh, that's not bad. 
Yeah, he wanted to be an actor. Yeah. Remember? So I'll get into the origin story of this this movie specifically. Origin story. So there are some familiar names in the story and some new ones. Familiar names being that of Mark DeSalle, ah. producer of Bloodsport, Kickboxer, I believe a Canon Films guy. But there are some new names here. There's no Sheldon Letich in this equation. It's directed by a man named Darren Serafian. Um, didn't know a lot about him, but he did move on to do some significant television directing. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound quite as prestigious, but some of these shows are pretty legit. Lost, Fringe, Hemlock Grove, Lost, Rosewood. Lost Fringe. Lost. The Story of Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> that could be my my biography could be called Lost Fringe. Lost Fringe. <laughs> the Baldening. Yeah. Um, Lost and also Fringe. Oh, right. Sorry. And Hemlock Grove, Rosewood, Blue Blood, Swamp Thing. Um, the interesting ingredient here and probably the, the one <laughs> the one interesting thing in the backstory here is this was written by David S. Goya. He's quite a big deal these days. I'd say his report card is mixed. Some people would say his report card is stellar. Some would say his report card is shitty. This was the second script he ever wrote. He wrote it at while he was still at uni um, and oh, it was yeah. the first one to be sold and produced commercially and actually turned into a, a, a movie. So he was at USC. But in terms of, to give you context of who this motherfucker is, he wrote Blade. That was kind of his big break. Good. Yeah. Dark City, which is a bit of a cult hit. I think I watched it. I, I, gave, it a, I gave it a ding. The Dark Knight Trilogy, although he wrote Batman Begins and then – in the other ones, he gets a story credit, but I believe he's involved. So that's, this is this is good stuff. Pretty purple. <laughs> exactly. That was my bane. <laughs> if you have to explain it, <laughs> yeah, I explained it because it was shit. Um, Batman. This is where it gets a little shaky, though. Batman v Superman. Uh, the Superman movie. Here's where it picks up again. Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Yeah. A really good Red Nick Hot. Cage. Quite a gem. Doesn't fall into our area. It's not a good movie by any means, but it's got some great Nick Cage crazy moments and some weird haircuts. But interestingly, he wrote the new Terminator, Terminator Dark Fate that's coming out as we speak. How topical. So this guy. Very, very topical. This writer, big time writer in Hollywood, Ro- cuts his ghost teeth. Ghost writer. Go, hey, there you go. Cuts his teeth on. <laughs> Greg's got a face like it's very proud of. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. This guy cuts his teeth on Lap Pack Royalty and his latest movie is Lap Pack Royalty. This mm-hmm. we've come full circle. Nice. Good on him. Respect where respect is, is due. Good, uh, good linkage from you, Tristan. Yeah, good linkage. Although in saying that, I'm not sure he fully appreciates his humble beginnings. I found a little clip of him talking about, you know, where it all started for him and his experience with this movie oh. and his experience with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I've got to tell you, He's having a little fun at uh, the old JCVD's expense. Uh Uh-oh. And a few months later, I wrote a script called Dusted. It was a story about a cop who gets sent into prison undercover. Um, And at the time, I was working at a runner, uh, at a studio as a runner. And I was delivering mail and getting executive bagels, grunt work. So my agent called me in the middle of a bagel run, literally. And he said, there's this guy named Jean-Claude Van Damme. Do you know who he is? I didn't. Uh, he calls himself JC. 
Anyway, he'd made a moderate splash with a couple of B-movies called Bloodsport and Kickboxer, and he'd read my script, and he wanted to meet. A few years later, a few hours later, I was sitting down with him. JC was this sort of Belgian pretty boy model who'd learned how to do the splits and the spinning wheel kick, and somehow got himself, like, a film deal. He could barely speak English, but he was very enthusiastic, and MGM was going to make a new film with him. And JC said, and I'll always remember this, he said, I think you're a great writer. He said, Hollywood will try to destroy you, this is verbatim, but I will protect you like an eagle, and he made that motion. (laughs) Uh, And then he gave me a big hug, and this is true, and he kind of, you know, rubbed his knuckles on top of my head like you would with your little brother. And then, completely randomly, he said, the homosexuals love me. Uh, (laughs) All true. Uh, It sounds like a charming encounter. And I remember thinking, should I ask him what that means? And I was like, no, I'm not going to ask him what that means. (laughs) Anyway, he said he wanted to have MGM buy my script, and he wanted to start production on it immediately. Incredibly, that's exactly what happened. Four months later, I was on the set of my first film. I was 22 at the time. Um... And I had to change the title to Death Warrant because MGM had market research titles and death had scored well. So <laughs> Dusted became Death Warrant. You know, which leads me my, to my second sort of pearl of wisdom, which is everyone wants to write an Academy Award winning film or a BAFTA winning film their first time out. But there's nothing wrong from learning your craft in the trenches. Coppola and Scorsese started out with Roger Corman, Jonathan Demme, James Cameron. In those days, B-movies were a good place to kind of earn your water wings. I never worked with Corman, but I worked with Van Damme. And, and believe it or not, he actually taught me some things. And believe he once it or said not. to me, uh, and this is true, while we were filming that movie, he said, one day you'll write a script that's too good for me. And thankfully I did. Fuck this guy, man. <laughs> Okay, so can we just break that down a little bit? This this is a, what fucking, a fucking jerk. This is a uni student. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You motherfucker. You motherfucker, you. You piece of shit, cunt fuck. This guy, he's got a little Tony Soprano there. This guy, it's his big break. He's got a big, who, someone who is a big star. He's talking about him like he's some fucking bonehead. And he's saying these really nice things to him and this being really This guy was really nice to me. He's saying he'll protect me. Like the... It sounds quite. The things he was saying sound genuinely. So, and sweet. then I wrote Blade. What a, a vampire movie! Yeah, exactly. Like he, he sounded like he was being genuinely sweet and caring about this kid's first movie. He's a kid, and it's his first movie. So why would you shit on the guy that that was looking after you? Yeah. Believe it or not, I made. Believe it or not, I learned something from him. Uh, you Fuck know, you, man. You know, Woody <laughs> Allen here. Settle down, chat yeah, with you. Exactly, especially oh, yeah. with the spotty record you have, like. Yeah, you've done some good stuff, but none of these. There's no like, it's not Schindler's List, man. Like, there's a it's, no. you're mostly comic book movies. Yeah, um, some of the better ones and some of the worst ones that that exist. Had so you not both. been a fuckwit, I would have been thumbs up. Exactly. And, and you could take all the quotes, all the all the things he quoted um, Van Damme saying. To me, you would tell a beautiful story around. Why would you? It's almost like all the quotes he's saying contradict the story he's telling. Like the story to me is, oh, he was so supportive. Like he was blowing up as an action star. I was just some kid, but he really looked out for me. He gave me some really good advice. Like maybe he's not for everyone, but, you know, like that's the story. Why are you being a dickhead? One day you'll write a script that's too good yeah. for you. Yeah. Like how good is that? If to hear, like, you shouldn't you be pumped by that? 
Unless they're best friends and we don't know it. Unless this is like fun banter, but I don't think so. This is not like an Arnie uh, Sly situation, is it? I don't think they are. Nah, nah. This is. Because they haven't really, done more stuff since, have they? Yeah, really, whatever the fuck's my thing. Is he high on the cocaine? Sometimes that does things to people. No, this guy's smug as fuck, isn't he? Yeah. This is the thing. I didn't mean to be just like talking so much shit about this guy, but that really. Uh, he's not a friend of the show, people. Yeah, and he should be, but he's not. He is not. He did Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. He should be a friend of the show, but he ain't. Anyway, he sells a script, gets his first paycheck. Interestingly, though, also, this film uh, kind of bookmarked, book, bookmarked, <laughs> kind of bookmarked a, an end of an era. Yeah. This marked the end of Canon Films, man. What do you mean? Yeah, this was so. This actually ended up not being even released as a canon film. So this was financed, produced, oh. um, made as a canon film. But while this thing happened, uh, canon films was falling apart, and it eventually went to MGM. Ended up taking over. Uh, in some in some regions, there's still some canon logos and things and opening shots or opening frames, mm, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, this was like the essentially the last. I think they tried to reignite it in the nineties at some point, but it ultimately didn't work. This was the end. And if you want to hear a snapshot of the Canon story, go back to the Kickboxer episode. But Canon was pretty big, man. They had Oscar nominations. They've done a lot of lap pack movies. They've done a lot of uh, martial arts movies. Had the rights to Spider Man. Exactly. So this is the thing. They had the rights to Spider Man. Up until 1990, this is 1990, to retain the rights to Spider-Man, all they had to do was make a Spider-Man movie. So it was one of those rights deals. It's like if you don't make one by this date, the rights revert back to Marvel. So all they had to do was make a movie to retain those rights. That would have been their cash cow. Like we said last time, the, the biggest Hollywood negotiation of our year right now, or probably of ever, is Marvel and Sony negotiating around Spider-Man. So how they would you <laughs> how would you explain? Yeah, that's right. It's crazy. Yeah. How would you explain Van Damme's accent if he was Peter Parker? <laughs> I've just got home from my semester in France. <laughs> He's from one of those multicultural parts of Queens. You know how they say you go to the 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 Korean district in Queens. It's like being in Korea. Maybe he was from the Belgian district in Queens. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But you know that's that's a real thing. That Pierre Parker. Pierre. <laughs> but this uh, reminded me because you know this is a real thing that movie studios do in order to retain the rights. That's why they keep making fantastic. Who said fantastic furniture? That's why they keep making Fantastic Four movies, even though they're shit, is because if if Fox doesn't make those, um, they like they're on a deadline, so they they they're like fuck. Okay, we've got to make one because Marvel's going to get the rights back if we don't. Um, but now that Marvel bought Fox, that's over. But. Back in the 90s, they had a similar situation to the Spider-Man canon films thing and they actually made a Fantastic Four movie that never got released and it was purely a technicality. They made the movie just to retain the rights and no one ever saw it. I think you can see it on YouTube or something. They um they took the piss out of this on um, Arrested Development in that yeah. later season. It's fascinating stuff. I'll find some clips I'll put on Instagram Isn't or something. It? But, yeah, these guys were sitting on a gold mine and they folded without even – Tapping into it, it's crazy. End of an era, very sad. Absolutely. Just to just to close out the uh, origin story here, a couple of precasties. 
although I believe you take these with a grain of salt, or one of them at least, Mr. Bruce Willis. Yeah. They said, but he was too busy making uh, uh, Die Hard Die 2. Hard. And then oh. said, amongst other things. <laughs> so he wasn't interested, I'm sure. Yeah. But Steven Zagal, which makes more sense. Yeah, I'm in Cell Block D. Why don't you come down there? And- Get a laugh in your face. Let's play the trailer. First, he demolished the supreme player in the most brutal sport in the world. Then, he crushed the competition in a contest nobody plays for kicks. Now, what's the problem? He faces a new challenge. Only this time, there are no rules. And nobody's playing games. Detective Burke, we want to send you undercover into Harrison as a prisoner. That damn is Burke. You're not going to last too long. It's not a threat. It's a promise. He's got the toughest job a cop can do. Prisoners hate cops more than anything else. It's a hit list. You're a dead man. His cover has been blown. What are you doing in my prison? My man! You next on the list. And the odds are impossible. Welcome to hell! Van he loves a good fight. Bad trailer. That got me a sense that there was some punching. Yeah, punching and kicking. Kicking. Some spinny kicks. Maybe some knees and elbows. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the plot. <clears throat> yeah, you're good at those noises. I can't do them. No. No, he doesn't do noises. No. Yeah, he got the raspy. He's quite a raspy man, Al Van Dam. Only when he yells. Yeah, otherwise he's quite. He's so gentle when he talks, gentle. usually. Well, in terms of plot, I mean, we, we have distilled down the formula, haven't we? Should we? We have. So we will, I'll read the formula. Yeah. And then we, shall we then discuss? Or? Yeah, yeah. So for new listeners, this is the formula. This is essentially the plot synopsis to any good Jean-Claude Van Damme film. We believe it's worked on almost every movie so far. So far. Jean-Claude Van Damme plays an American who wears high-waisted pleated pants in a foreign land on a quest to seek vengeance for a fallen loved one at the hands of a morally corrupt racial stereotype. He's about to find out, training to fight his enemy. He's facing the enemies within and slowly doing the splits. He also gets his buns out. Mm. So there's some things there I immediately see some red flags. Yeah. Some, there's some items missing. If this is a true Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, there should be like ding, 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 ding across all of those. But there's some key ingredients that just aren't there. There's some, some discussion points, aren't there? There are some discussion points. Should we get some of the easier ones out of the way? There are it definitely conforms to probably half of these. I would say that this movie would mark the fastest yeah. explanation <laughs> of a few of the key plot lines in a Van Damme movie. Yeah. One, origin of accent. Yes. It's like, hey, Murphy. It's <laughs> not Murphy. <obviously. laughs> I can't remember. I he, never, yeah. It's like, hey, Burke, 
you're not in Canada anymore. Yeah. So that obviously points to Quebec. Yeah. Which is a free pass for any kind of accent. Which is a free pass for any sort of Frenchy <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. accent. So this is efficient storytelling, exactly. efficient table setting. He killed my partner. This is okay. all within what, Vengeance. 30 seconds? This is the literally the opening dialogue. Beautiful. First few sentences. We're off to the races. I'm enjoying this as I'm watching. I'm like, okay, this is good. Checking go. things off Context the list. set. This is good. Brain power. Relax. I feel like I can imagine him talking to uh, David Escoy. He's like, I just don't know what my motivation is. Has, have, have they killed a loved one? <laughs> we need to tell them. The audience, you've got to tell them. It's <laughs> uh, so good. He's so good at that. So they've, so he's telling us. Yeah, it's so good. Sorry. So that was – and he's wearing high pants at the time, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and all throughout prison. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the sailor pants in prison. They're so high. And I, I guess – is that for kicking? You need high pants for kicking so you can get the I think it would help. Yeah. I guess it would help. I do think you probably don't need to roll your sleeves up like that and look too sexy in prison though. I was like, he's yeah. looking too good. He you, is you so gotta... fuckable. <laughs> well, he tried the guy, his roommate was like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he propositioned him pretty violently. Yeah, he said, was that prison slang? He's like, get on your hands and knees, cherry or something. I was a bit taken back by yeah. that. Yeah, and then he showed them that he's the alpha and then they were friends basically. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of weird. And then he fucked him. I, yeah. You're at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, he wanted, <gasps> bottom, he wanted bottom bunk though, didn't he? It's it. It's a metaphor. Ah. But he was he was expressing top vibes. But anyway. the um, it's, <laughs> He was. <laughs> he was a power bottom. <laughs> power bottom. <laughs> Are you familiar with that expression? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so aggressive. Uh. <laughs> I love that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting because they do become buddy buddies, not to the extent of like Ray Jackson or whatever, but they become friends, like almost to the point of, huh, remember that time you tried to rape me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's weird. But then we get into some of the other elements of the uh, of the formula and things start to fall apart, don't Yeah. Uh-huh. Like we get some side buns, but we don't get – we don't get a full. Do we get side buns? Because he's in the. He's in nice. What do they call it? The hole or whatever. Yeah, solitary. Solitary. Or whatever. And he's got. He's doing the Terminator time travel stance. Oh, I didn't notice his buns then. Well, it's just. It's I would side, say. Side pr- come on, guys. Here, like prison is a fair platform for some buns action. Right. Shower it, scene. It's written a for classic, you. A classic shower oh, attack. We had a shower attack. Were the buns out? I can't remember. Did we have a shower attack? Yeah, the Sandman came. Remember he was had the oh, knife? Oh, yeah. Maybe there were buns. Yeah. I don't remember. We'll never know. No, I'd, rem- I'd remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. But, okay, well, just uh, accent explained. Yep. Pleated pants. Yep. Mysterious foreign land, I'd say prison kind of counts. It's it's metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And that and, place oh, actually, is a fucking labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of that's one of the things I one of the, not to jump ahead, but that's one of the things I liked about the movie was just kind of the weird, surreal vibe of the prison itself. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I was in La Paz or something. Um, and actually if it's Canadian, America is a foreign land. So So there's a few ticks there. Yeah. I think training to fight the enemy, there isn't any there's not really any montages in here. 
Yeah, no montage. We're lacking true. a montage. And there's a lot of just, I mean, there is a bad guy, but it's all just kind of diluted. There's not like a focused, single-minded, evil, foreign bad guy. Yeah, Sandman kind of comes at the beginning and then pops back up later. Yeah, kind of randomly, but we'll get into that. Yeah. And then there are racial stereotypes kind of spread throughout, but not in like kind of evenly distributed across all races. There's no like <laughs> evil. He does have, there is a bit of a reoccurring um, African-American buddy scenario going on between yeah. a few of his films. Yeah, it's Kickboxer. True. Yeah, interesting. This might get add to, added to the synopsis. Lionheart. Lionheart. That and that was the heart and soul of that movie. Death and, Warrant. Mm-hmm. Death Warrant. Interesting. Just a couple of three dings is notable. Yeah, three dings is notable. Trinity of dings. Trinity of dings. Um, splits. I didn't catch any splits. I didn't catch any splits. Yes, yeah, so this is this is disappointing. Like this is come on. I would say between prison beds. Yeah. If oh, but if they only got one set of bunks. I feel like Cameron Poe will probably did the splits. If he can do the splits in prison. Come on, man. He would have done some push-ups. Yeah. It's a bit more classic. But, yeah, it's a bit hit or miss all in all in terms of the synopsis. Um, uh, yeah, I, what do you, I would just, I'd say it's mostly hit. I'd say it's the furthest from the formula we've done outside of Cyborg, which we only really touched on. Yeah, fair. Yeah. The other's a 10. Yeah, that's true. Well, how, how did you feel about the rewatch? What, what were your initial reactions to this thing? Uh, how did I feel about the rewatch? It was okay. Yep. Um, so it's obviously a departure for yeah. for our, our Jean-Claude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's quite clearly, you know, pushing into a new genre. It's a thriller really. Like there's, yeah, there's, there's, good there's, there's some good fights-ish, but it's not a martial arts movie really, is yeah, it? Yeah, he's, he's putting some kicks in there, but it's not. All these other movies are tournaments, Death Warrant, tournament. <laughs> Bloodsport, tournament. Kickboxer, mostly fights. <laughs> Greg's uh, just inventing new lists to check off. Um, Lionheart, debt slash wrong bet, tournament. <laughs> this one, tournament. You're turning into Lloyd Braun. I don't know. He just, like, he just liked ringing the bell. You know George's oh, arch enemy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Serenity now. <laughs> You just like ringing the bell. Serenity now. Um, Insanity later. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. So it was um, clearly a departure. Still a lot of his tropes in there as we've, yeah. as we've sort of talked about. What, what about you? Well, I had very similar things. Uh, all in all, I'd say uh, not one of his best. Um, I was finding myself quite bored uh, in, in many situations. Oh, yeah? And to be honest with you, I watched this before I – researched it and this is a common theme i think with david s goya movies this is the man that made a movie called batman v superman and made it boring that movie could be many things it could be not great how could the fuck can that movie be boring it shouldn't be boring out of all things so interesting common character trait he looked pretty boring he looked like a boring prick anyway yeah exactly uh could i say i I watched this across like three sittings too i had to keep coming back to it yeah i think i got a couple can I say I got the whole plot line of this movie wrong? In my head, he was in prison to find and infiltrate and break up an underground prison fighting tournament. <laughs> That's like wrong bet. In prison. In prison. And like the losing inmates were getting killed off. Man, that would be better. But I, I honestly, 
That would be I'm, better. I'm not kidding. That's what I you thought it was. I kept waiting for it to happen oh. to the point where even after the scene where they find the organs, yeah, I still thought it was going to happen. <laughs> it wasn't. You're like, there's only 20 what? minutes left. Like, How are they going to uh, wrap this thing up? Tw- literally was 20 minutes left. I was like, it's still haven't. When are you going to fight in this tournament? And, and it wasn't until the the girl went to the her you know, uh, rich, yeah. rich uncle yeah guy's house, and he literally explains. I went there and I got the lung because my wife Deborah was so sick. Yeah, so I got a lung for her. That was when I was like, "Oh, they're harvesting all." Oh, and so there the, is no tournament. That, well, yeah, there's no tournament, and, and then it was the end of the movie. Yeah, I can see how you would assume there's a tournament. I mean, yeah, going into it, there's always some kind of tournament. There's a tournament. I mean, funnily enough, you know what's actually funny? Out of show us the tawny. <laughs> But it is interesting because I think the organ harvesting thing is interesting on paper and there are some interesting cool vibes going on in the prison. Like you're saying, it's like this weird surreal labyrinth thing. Yeah, and there's that the priest. Cool, there's that cool shot as they're tracking through that section of the prison and it's like it's kind of cool. A bit like how – remember yeah, Oz? try my merchandise. Remember Oz on – Oz was great. Yeah. And that was kind of surreal too. That was kind of weird. It had a bit of those vibes but yeah. that didn't really have the same bite to it. But I think – there's also just a lot going on. Like the, I think a big issue is just uh, maybe he's trying to do too much. Like who's the villain here? That guy who got an organ for his a lung for his wife or whatever. Like he shows up twice and you're like, well, who's obviously it, – it's just a little bit And scattered. he's rich. Why is he going to start harvesting prison organs? Yeah, and then he gets caught by uh, – is that his wife? I don't know. And then she just leaves. There's no – and the Sandman comes and goes and he's mixing his metaphors because he's like – he says to Jean-Claude Van Van Dam Van. He says to JCVD, "Bring me a dream." He's like, "No, no, you bring. You're the Sandman. I'll you bring it. the dream. Yeah, you bring the dream. Like, that's you're the Sandman." I tell you what, I did think was impressive though for the Sandman. He had a cool, good, bad, evil face. Yeah, creepy. did they shave his eyebrows? I was thinking that it looked like they were still there, but they were peroxided or something. Because I thought that's a good way to make a pretty normal person look fucking pretty. Yeah. Just Agree. Pretty fucked up. Agree. Take I think I had that same eyebrows. note. It, it changes a person. It's yeah. crazy how much like a haircut could change a person, but eyebrows, you realise how much you need them. <laughs> I did have my eyebrows shaved once. Did you? How long does it take to well, go Well, I, I fell asleep at a mate's house oh, on a bender. Huge mistake. Yeah. And um, what his rugby One mate, eyebrow. His rugby me. mates were over. Oh, his rugby mates, man. Fucking rugby mates. And fortunately... I woke up to them doing it, but they were shaving off. Fortunately, they were shaving off like lengthways, not, ah. not down. So when I woke up, they'd only taken off half of one of them. Right. So you just look like 1995 J-Lo or something. Yeah. I mean, it did look great. And the funny thing was I had to go and get my passport photo the next day. So <laughs> kind of hung around a little bit. That's pretty good. Yeah. But the girls I was living with at the time wanted to shave the other one. To, to even, even it out. It, yeah. Which I... Man, that's it's so funny you say rugby boys because my like some of my high school mates I didn't play rugby but I had the different you know you have different groups of mates there was one group that were like rugby boys and we went on a trip and that was like the you just can't go to sleep first because you're gonna wake up with no eyebrows or balls in your face yeah or both or both but yeah it's a bit all over the joint right and uh, he met this uh, the, let's talk about the other cops so he. For anyone who hasn't seen it, the premise of the movie is he's sent into prison to infiltrate uh, some kind of – prisoners are dying and they don't know what's going on. 
they're being mitered, I suppose. But 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 what what the fuck? What's going on? So he goes undercover to prison to figure out this shit. Another cop is uh, posing as his wife in the outside world. I believe they don't know each other. This is my life. Yeah, there you go. They they they're meeting at this point, right? Yes. A- upon meeting, he goes to prison. He's locked away. She's in the outside world. They they have visits, chatting, um, but if they have a conjugal visit, not not. Too much later. He's sniffing her head pretty quickly. He's sniffing. So they have sex, I suppose. They don't show it explicitly, but I assume they have sex. Why are they having sex? Because they're horny for each other. There's no... There's sexual tension, Tristan. It's a, she met him once. Yeah, well, she met him... Well, well. well as I say this, I feel like I sound like a real prude. But what I mean she is... She met him just, a few times. I understand people can... Boat. I can understand people want to have sex. I, what I mean is... The way this portrays it is if there's been some blooming romance between them. Uh, you didn't pick that up. <laughs> he doesn't even know her. He knows of her. He knows of, I, met, I met you once, right? You're the other cop. No, you should have sex now. Sh- no, she. you're mad. They've, well. <laughs> they've met many times. There was sexual <laughs> tension the moment they laid his eyes on each other. I think there wasn't. There was more sexual tension with that nerd hacker that was trying to get her into whatever the no, fuck. Oh, my God. Tristan, <laughs> I'm appalled. I just, I'm just amazed that you're just not picking up those vibes. There's no vibes there, man. There is vibes there. Anyway, okay, I'll let that one pass. I'll give you a little, uh, I'll give you a pass on that one. There's plenty more that just ain't working in this movie. So the Sandman, right? He shoots <laughs> him. He shoots him about a million times in the beginning. Yep. Do they say he survived? Well, he says you're under arrest. Yeah, and I thought that was like that's the worst like action movie one-liner. Yeah. There's no pun. As it turned out, he was saying that to because uh, he's actually under arrest to to tell the audience that he's not dead. So I thought that guy was dead. Are we supposed to think that? Maybe. And then he shows up in the prison. It would make more sense if he was already in the prison and they made some huge mistake. Because he's a uh, sorry. Rewind. Jean Claude Van Damme is a cop. Jean Claude Van Damme sent the Sandman to prison. The Sandman ends up in his prison halfway through the movie. It would make more sense if Jean-Claude Van Damme ended up in Sandman's prison sort of as like a admin error, like, oh, fuck, I'm fucked now and I can't get out, whatever the fuck. It's just a bit all over the place and random. And like how long after, even if Sandman did survive, he's still got about six bullets in his chest. Yeah. So how long is he in prison before Sandman's back at full health? Yeah. Fucking with his world. Yeah, and... Timings don't make sense. And who who else is in on him being undercover? Like, he doesn't seem to be reporting to anyone. Like, can he get out at any time? It feels like he's just a prisoner at, this, at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, it's like it's like The Departed, man. He's so deep. Oh, and there's that security guard, the main the main screw. Art Lafleur. Art Lafleur, who looks like uh, old shrimp-eyed De Niro mixed with um, Harvey Keitel. Mixed with a brick. Mixed with a brick. Now, I reckon De Niro... And Harvey Keitel and shrinky eyes. And a brick. And a brick, yeah. But that, that, He's good. in lots of stuff, eh? He's got he's one in, of those faces. He's in many things. Yeah. This is his, like, wheelhouse, this sort of role. This kind of thing, yeah. It's a real hard ass. Um, this movie made me think, similar to Oz, often I watch these prison things. You know how it's all very race-based? And I, I reckon that I think about it every time I watch one of these movies. It's like, if I went to prison... Would I have to, like, be friends with Nazis? I've thought about this many times. Have you have too? Of course I have. Especially because of Oz, right? 
yeah. it's like you kind of have to. And American History X. This just reminded me. It goes against everything I stand for, Greg. <laughs> I've got a shaved head. Oh, yeah. You would slip I'm right so in. so white. Yeah. It's just, I what I wouldn't have. that suck? Nazis just seem not even fun to hang out with either. Like it just goes they, against. I know, they're like metal. It would, just, it would just make it so much worse. Everyone else has got better music, better everything. I, got, I can't relate to a Nazi. What are we going to talk about? It was a good talk about. Getting know, skin like. Boring like, Christmases. Or sunburn. Lame cuisines. Sunburn. Sunburn. <laughs> Fuck, that's not going to. How many years are you in prison for? I reckon you can sunburn or get you through about two weeks max. Fuck, I don't know, man. But hey, you may have noticed from my tone that I don't think the world of this movie. But I feel like we have a responsibility here at Double Impact to think about how we can take these pieces and turn it into something that works. So I've, I have kind of tried to work up a repitch of what this movie should be or could be if they did it properly. Oh, yeah. So sticking it right in David S. Goya's face, Mr. Fuck You Man. So, Greg, I found myself with this movie. I was like, uh, I don't love it, and I feel like I've got nothing to talk about with this movie. So I thought, why don't I try and fix it? How could I fix this thing? What would make it work? And I felt like ultimately there was just a lack of tension, constraint. No, tension, just tension. <laughs> just tension. Um, so I, th- I, I thought about this, and I thought about the JCVD formula yeah, as well. Yeah. What if Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. had a daughter? Go on. Mm-hmm. What if Jean-Claude Van Damme was a widow, single father with a daughter? What if his wife died a while back? It's just the two of them now. Perhaps his wife died at the hands of the Sandman or some other foreign stereotype bad guy. What if his daughter had some health issues of her own? Mm. Mm. But perhaps a... Like a uh, sore tooth. Like a heart condition or kidney failure. Ooh, or a sore tooth. Or a sore tooth, yeah, okay. Probably less a sore tooth, but more what I said. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Think about that scene where he opens that fridge and he finds those organs and he's, he's infiltrating the prison as per. He's infiltrating the prison to find out why these prisoners are dying. And when he finds out There's that these prisoners are dying because of organ harvesting, he's like, hello. He's like, oh, tension. This is complex. This is a tricky decision for him to make. Is he going to stick to the mission? Or is he going to get a heart or a liver, depending on her ailments, for his daughter? Or tooth. At what point is it okay? They're prisoners. They're bad guys, arguably. At what point is it okay to take a life to give a life? What is the value exchange? When is when when are these things right? Anyway, I think this gives a interesting inner conflict for him to consider as he does the splits across bunks, for instance. Yeah. We're checking boxes here. We're hitting the formula while raising tension. Maybe you could take Sandman's heart. Yeah, well, hear me out, Craig. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, but you're, you're, you're heading to the sorry, right space. I thought you were done. Oh, no, I'm halfway through. Oh, good. I like it. I keep going. Sorry. Okay, so he's considering this. It's like, am I considering this? He doesn't talk like that. <laughs> am I considering this? Should I be? Well, what do I do? You know, what's becoming of me? What's becoming? <laughs> Beautiful. That was great. Um, he starts to justify that this could maybe this is the right thing to do. You know, like I mean, yeah, this might be right. The female cop's still in this, and you know, she's in the outside world with his daughter, playing the mother kind of thing. They're bonding. They got their own story going on. 
um, who runs it by her, and she's like, "What are you? What's become of you? This is not, this is not you. Why? No, this is everything against what you stand for." It's like, "But my daughter, you know, blah 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 blah." They have the conjugal visit. That's where it all comes to a head between them. And he's like, "But uh-huh. we must save her." This is also where she tells him that things are worsening. Her state is getting worse. Like we're going to need to make a move soon. It's yeah. like, "I can get an organ. Let's do it." And she's like, "I don't think we can do this. Who are we? We can't do this." Sandman arrives with his healthy liver and such. And he's like, perhaps, you know, kill my partner. Perhaps could make this a thing. Or maybe there's some other guy. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't I thought that think... much too. Because Sandman seems like his organs will be way too big. But And also, like, that's part of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So I hear ya. So I was thinking that could be interesting if we're using Sandman. But otherwise, I think it's more like, Little Breaking Bad style. Maybe he's now scouting around the prison for like, uh, uh, what's the word? Matching donors. Small, yeah, like, like smaller people <laughs> looking for like a small person, blood type. You know, he's scouting the situation because they, they do flag the blood type when he goes in, don't they? I think they do. Yeah, he's so that's like, kind of interesting. Like AB positive, very rare. So I reckon he's doing this. They have that conjugal visit. It comes to a head. There's urgency now. His daughter's going to hospital. It's like this could be the final days. He's sizing up the prisoners and he's like, fuck, okay, I just got to do this. It's my fucking daughter, man. These are bad guys. That guy killed someone. Like, fuck. So he, he instigates the prison riot to, to, to get his victim, to get that donor sorted. Yeah. So he, he, he's, he's doing this for the sake of his family. He, he's, he's convinced himself this is the right thing to do. But he's, he's ultimately become what he despises the most, a criminal. What has he done? What have I become? No. 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 In a last-minute change of heart. He ends oh, up, yeah? He ends change up, of heart? Yeah. Oh! Oh, poetic. In a last-minute change of heart, he sacrifices himself to save the very prisoner he was grooming to kill to save his daughter. What? No. Wait, hear me out. Because he can't do that. This guy's just a guy. Yeah. It goes against what he stands for. And in a poetic twist of fate... His own death gives life to his daughter as she takes his heart or liver and survives. So his life gave life to his daughter. The film ends with the female cop... Getting banged by the sandman. (laughs) No! The film ends with the female cop (laughs) with the daughter in the hospital bed. Everything's going to be all right from now on. You know, I'm I'm saying these things in a cliche way because I feel like it fits the bill. It's going to be all right from now on. Where's daddy? Oh, he's with us. You know, whatever, some bullshit like that. He's inside you. Yeah. And, and they, you know, they get, the implication is they're going to stick together and be a little cool little family unit now and everything's going to be okay. Finn. And then Sandman picks him up in there. <laughs> Sandman's boom, boom, cut the Sandman shaving his eyebrows off. Yeah, they did, even, did they even play that song? Missed Opportunity. Missed Opportunity. Yeah. It's a meme it's right a now on TikTok. Song. But that's my rewrite. I reckon that's got a bit more tension in it. It's a bit more to think about. And it, I put splits in there just A few more to, organs. A few more organs. Well, it gives uh, well some done. purpose to the organs. Uh, you know, I was going to say off, off mic uh, this week, man, we're, a bit, we're a bit overdue for a little repitch. Yeah, I thought so. That's what, got, that's what got me to it. Oh, the other thing, that I think the thing that makes this work is there were actually a few lines in the movie that speak to this kind of theme because one of the guys, the guy with the blind eye, yeah, or blindy. Yeah, he he's he saves him. He's like, "Thank you for saving my life." And he says, 
I took a life. I need to give one back. So there's something interesting about the value of giving a life, taking a life. So I think that should be the theme and you could do more around that. Take your giveies. Take your your giveies, exactly. Did you see Carl from Billy Madison in there? No. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Kramer with the raisins. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Cheap Kramer. Yeah, cheap Kramer. He's been around, man, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, shit. But yeah, I think that could more explicitly be the theme of the movie. Tidy that shit up around like that tension around trying to save his daughter versus killing a... Is it better to save a good kid at the expense of a bad guy's life? Where do you draw the line? As if they wouldn't have... Like, Van Damme is a very pretty man. Yeah. Well, to be fair, they try to rape him. Yeah, but like... Not hard You enough. can't stop a gang rape. Yeah. yeah. So I just feel they should have, you know, cut his hair... Yeah. Let him grow some stubble. Just He's just a bit too Man, clean. It's Van Damme. He, still, he would have got sexier. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, but he's, fem, he's like borderline feminine at this stage. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. His pecs are bigger than tits. Like just don't roll up your sleeves, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> and the priest turned out to be a pretty good guy. Yeah, he was really cool. He saved the other guy too. Yeah. That was nice. There make were some – Make co- a deal with the this priest. This is the thing. There's a lot of ingredients here I liked, but uh, – it should be better, but it it was meh. Did you have a v, VP? Um, my MVP was actually, funnily enough, I probably said he was pointless in the plot, but as a performance, Sandman. Yeah, so it's interesting. So the Sandman as a bad guy is worth discussing given we've got so used to these, uh, I guess, exotic yeah. villains, pretty iconic villains, Yeah, you know, that have stood the test of time. Obviously, Bolo Jung... Chong Lee in Bloodsport, iconic status. Iconic, but played into some very stereotypical areas. But that's also oh, part of the that's all. Yeah, yeah but he's like he's Tong. He's yeah, pretty yeah, special. Tong yeah. Po, the first non-Asian Asian. Yeah, box, yeah. He was, but he was still a, he's still a pretty formidable and, and legendary best Asian villain since Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so he's still pretty iconic. Uh, Attila was okay. Yeah. Albeit in for a short bit of the movie. So this was the first sort of big bad white guy. Yeah. I think he had a fair bit of gravitas. He did. I reckon he did. And so if you got him. There was him, a supernatural vibe going on. Absolutely. But it's like when he's in it, it's a different movie. It's, it just, yeah. it, the whole thing changes. Like you make him the guy or you make don't. Make him the guy or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you actually, you could have just ignored the whole organ harvesting thing. And it's about an undercover cop in prison, but. His arch nemesis is there and knows he's a cop. Like that's enough tension. Just play that. Yeah. You don't need all the other shit. All right, let's get to the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. And that's all I have to say about that. What say you, Greg Carney? Uh, I say it's for the diehard fans. I say it's for the diehard fans. And I've got to say, I feel like I sometimes don't make the tough calls. And here I think I'm going to make a tough call. I think it's ultimately best left in the past. I feel like this this adds not much to the Jean-Claude Van Damme lore. Yeah. Like if out of all the Van Damme movies we've done, this is the least essential. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, if you, it's no harm in watching it. If you're a Van Damme a, a completionist, watch it. But the, no, there's not much for you, you here need, otherwise. You don't need to. You don't need to. Um, although if you want to finance my version of the film, uh, I'll, Call us. Yeah. Slide on into the day pay, now. PayPal me. Um, Hello, Campaign 2000. We've had no input. Yeah, so a good, a very good point, Greg. So, okay, let's do a little impromptu Campaign 2000 update. All right, so we had a few kind of... Fake two, two, leads. Well, two degrees of separations. So I went to high school with someone. Oh, did you? Yeah, I went to high school with a few people, but one of them um, has befriended Jean-Claude Van Damme later in life as a fellow kickboxer. Um, they somehow met somewhere and every now and then Jean-Claude Van Damme will call him and they'll have chats. And I I spoke to my high school friend and I said, hey, what do you, what do you think the, uh, the chances of uh, getting the old uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme into the old Double Impact podcast? And he's like, nah, it's not going to happen, man. It sounds like it's just uh, hard to lock down. So he'll give him a call down then. But he won't hear from him for like a year and then suddenly he'll get a call from Jean-Claude Van Damme, which sounds very exciting. Um, I'd take an annual call from yeah, right? Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Um, apparently he's offered him a role in a movie and then he never heard about it again. But, yeah, another mutual friend of ours, his brother knows Jean-Claude Van Damme and we've tried that avenue and we've kind of, um, I believe, a text was sent to Jean-Claude Van Damme. So he's at least seen a text that refers to the Double Impact podcast, which is a start. Maybe he knows we exist. Yeah. But we have come up unsuccessful in Campaign 2000 yeah. so far. But we have 10 episodes I think, to yeah, go. I think what we do... 10 weeks. You can get us there, guys. At the very least, for comical value, we'll just dial up the hustle on it. Yeah. Let's start a petition. Mm-hmm. Change, change.org. Change.org. <laughs> Um, hey, we're out of ideas, guys. Change.org is going to happen. And yeah. yes, we'll call this management company for whom the CEO is Jean-Claude Van Damme. But anyone out there has got any ideas, let us know. All right, all right. I've got, that's the that's campaign 2000 update. Here we go. 40, uh, 40 probably, episodes. Yeah. 40 episodes. Oh, what we a hit, journey. What about our... What about our milestone today, Tristan? 20,000 downloads. We hit 20,000 downloads today. Very exciting. Very exciting. It means at least five people we've never met. At least. Scene. Thank you for letting us in. Hey, what did you think of this movie? I forgot what it's called. <laughs> death Impact. Death Impact Warrant. The Warrant for Death Impact. Warrant for Death Impacts. Did you like it? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Or are you a new listener? If so, thanks for joining us. Are you, a friend, are you a friend of the show? You've been listening for a while. If so, please leave us a review. That helps us. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Helps us find other people like yourselves. Helps us find, uh, expand our community and have... We have, can't afford the advertisings. We can't afford the advertisings. All right, what do we got next week? What do we got next week? That's a terrific question. I believe we're in um, lap pack adjacent territory with Ooh. twins. Yakety yak. Alright, let's do that next week. Alright, bye. bye. Yeah.